<laughs> Your daddy. And welcome back to George McDonald's with Princess and the Goblin Chapter 30. Wow. Yeah. We only have two more chapters left after this one. Yep. Yeah, we are at Chapter 30, The King and the Kiss. I'm not sure if that's the Goblin King or the, like... I bet it's, well, she was, Irene was saying that her King Papa would be returning soon, she hoped. So, maybe it's him. Yeah. I guess we can read and find out. Does that sound good? Mm -hmm. All right. The next morning, the sun rose so bright that Irene said the rain had washed his face and let the light out clean. The torrents were still roaring down the side of the mountain, but they were so much smaller as to not be dangerous in daylight. Um, I think what he said is, look, um, um, the sun had its, had its face washed. You think that's how she said it? Yeah, because she said it in one of the stories. She just said it just now. Yeah, that's excellent. After an early breakfast... Peter went to his work, and Curdie and his mother set out to take the princess home. They had difficulty in getting her dry across the streams, and Curdie had again and again to carry her. But at last they got safe on the broader part of the road, and walked gently down towards the king's house. And what should they see as they turned the last corner of the last of the king's troop riding through the great gate? Oh, Curdie, cried Irene, clapping her hands right joyfully. My king papa is come. The moment Curdie heard that, he caught her up in her, his arms and set off at full speed, crying, Come on, mother dear. The king may break his heart before he knows that she is safe. Irene clung round his neck, and he ran with her like a deer. When he entered the gate into the court, there sat the king on his horse, with all the people of the house about him, weeping and hanging their heads. The king was not weeping, but his face was white as a dead man's, and he looked as if the life had gone out of him. The men-at-arms he brought with him sat with horror-stricken faces, but eyes flashing with rage, waiting for the word of the king to do something. They did not know what, and nobody knew what. The day before... The men-at-arms belonging to the house, as soon as they were satisfied the princess had been carried away, rushed after the goblins into the hole, but found that they had already so skillfully blockaded the narrowest part, not many feet below the cellar, that without miners and their tools, they could do nothing. Not one of them knew where the mouth of the mine lay, and some of those who had set out to find it had been overtaken by the storm and had not even yet returned. Poor Sir Walter was especially filled with shame, and almost hoped the king would order his head to be cut off. To think of that sweet little face down amongst the goblins was unendurable. When Curdie ran in at the gate with the princess in his arms, they were all so absorbed in their own misery and awed by the king's presence and grief that no one observed his arrival. He went straight to the king, where he sat on his horse. "'Papa! Papa!' The princess cried, stretching out her arms to, to him. Here I am. The king started. The color rushed to his face. He gave an inarticulate cry. 
Curdie held up the princess, and the king bent down and took her from his arms. As he clasped her to his bosom, the big tears went dropping down his cheeks and his beard. What's a bosom? To his chest, dear. Okay. And such a shout arose from all the bystanders that the startled horses pranced and capered, and the armor rang and clattered, and the rocks of the mountain echoed back the noises. The princess greeted them all as she nestled in her father's bosom, and the king did not set her down until she had told them all the story. But she had more to tell about Curdie than about herself, and what she did tell about herself none of them could understand, except the king and Curdie, who stood by the king's knee stroking the neck of the great white horse. And still... What does stroking mean? Stroking means petting. Okay. And still... As she told what Curdie had done, Sir Walter and the others added to what she told, even Ludie joining in the praises of his courage and energy. Curdie held his peace. I can't believe Ludie did it, because she doesn't very like him. She didn't like him very much, but you know, he did rescue her from the goblins. Mm -hmm. I think she remembers that. I would remember that. Me too. Curdie held his peace looking quietly up in the king's face. And his mother stood on the outskirts of the crowd, listening with delight, for her son's deeds were pleasant in her ears, until the princess caught sight of her. And there is his mother, King Papa, she said. See, there, she is such a nice mother, and she has been so kind to me. They all parted asunder as the king made a sign to her to come forward. She obeyed and gave her his hand, but could not speak. And now, King Papa, the princess went on, I must tell you another thing. One night long ago, Curdie drove the goblins away and brought Ludie and me safe from the mountain. And I promised him a kiss when we got home, but Ludie wouldn't let me give it to him. I don't want you to scold Ludie, but I want you to tell her that a princess must do as she promises. Indeed she must, my child. "'Except it would be wrong,' said the king. "'There. Give Curdie a kiss.' And as she spoke, he held her towards him. The princess reached down, threw her arms round Curdie's neck, and kissed him on the mouth, saying, "'There, Curdie, there's the kiss I promised you.' That was sweet. Well, I'm not allowed to kiss on the lips. That's true, honey. But, you know, Curdie is a minor boy, and that's more appropriate for a princess, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Then they all went into the house, and the cook rushed to the kitchen and the servants to their work. Ludie dressed Irene in her shiningest clothes, and the king put off his armor and put on purple and gold, and a messenger was sent for Peter and all the miners. That's pretty. Purple and gold? Yeah. Purple is, or at one time at least, was the color of kings and emperors. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought it was gold. Well, that makes sense too. But it was very hard to get purple dye back in the day. Oh, so I wish they called it rare kings. Rare kings. Would that be another name for purple? Yeah. Okay. That's a neat idea. I've never heard that one. 
And the king put off his armor and put on purple and gold, and a messenger was sent for Peter and all the miners, and there was a great and a grand feast, which continued long after the princess was put to bed. I believe we have just two more chapters left. Yeah, and if you didn't hear that at the start, that's okay. That is okay. Sweet dreams, everybody, and make sure you check out Gutenberg.org. Very nice, yeah, which is where we got this particular text, and there are many hundreds of other classic stories there. And of course, don't forget your library, where they almost certainly have some other George MacDonald. Yes, and I hope you have sweet dreams. Good night, everybody.